This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of ganglion cysts from the hand section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick summary. Ganglion cysts are mucin-filled synovial cysts and are the most common masses found in the wrist and the hand. Diagnosis can be made clinically with a firm and well-circumscribed mass that transilluminates. Treatment can be observation for the majority of ganglions. Surgical excision is indicated for ganglion cysts associated with severe symptoms or neurovascular manifestations. Now, let's get into the episode. As far as the epidemiology of ganglion cysts, it is the most common hand mass, making up 60 to 70% of hand masses. As far as the location of ganglion cysts, dorsal carpal is the most common, making up 70% of ganglion cysts, and this originates from the SL articulation. The volar carpal location is less common at 20% and originates from the radiocarpal or STT joint. A volar retinacular location makes up 10% of ganglion cysts and originates from herniated tendon sheath fluid. Finally, a dorsal DIP location is otherwise known as a mucus cyst and is associated with Heberden's nodes. As far as the pathophysiology of ganglion cysts, these cysts are filled with fluid from the tendon sheath or the joint. Keep in mind that there is no true epithelial lining. Associated conditions with ganglion cysts include a median or ulnar nerve compression, which may be caused by a volar ganglion, and hand ischemia due to vascular occlusion, which also may be caused by a volar ganglion. As far as the presentation of ganglion cysts, patients are usually asymptomatic. However, these lesions may cause issues with cosmesis. Physical exam should include inspection, palpation, and a vascular exam. On inspection, ganglion cysts transilluminate, that is, they transmit light through tissue. On palpation, these lesions are firm and well-circumscribed, and remember that they are often fixed to deep tissue, but not to the overlying skin. Finally, as far as a vascular exam, be sure to do an Allen's test to ensure radial and ulnar artery flow for volar wrist ganglions. As far as imaging, radiographs are typically normal, MRI is not routinely indicated, however, if you do get one, it will show a well-marginated mass with homogeneous fluid signal intensity. Finally, an ultrasound may be useful for differentiating a cyst from a vascular aneurysm, and it also may provide image localization for aspiration while avoiding the artery. As far as the histology of a ganglion cyst, a biopsy is not routinely indicated, however, findings will show a mucin-filled synovial cell line sac. Treatment of a ganglion cyst can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes observation, closed rupture, and aspiration. Observation is the first line of treatment in adults. In children, 76% of ganglion cysts resolve within one year in pediatric patients. Again, 76% of ganglion cysts resolve within one year in pediatric patients. Closed rupture is a home remedy, however, keep in mind that this approach has a high recurrence rate. Aspiration is indicated as the second line of treatment in adults with dorsal ganglions. Keep in mind that aspiration is typically avoided on the volar aspect of the wrist due to the radial artery. As far as outcomes, there is a higher recurrence rate that is approximately 50% than surgical resection, but there is minimal risk, so it's reasonable to attempt an aspiration. Operative options include surgical resection. This is indicated for severe symptoms or neurovascular manifestations. 
As far as the technique for surgical resection, this requires adequate exposure to identify the origin and allow resection of the stalk and a portion of the adjacent capsule. Remember that at the dorsal DIP joint, you must resect the underlying osteophyte. As far as results, volar ganglions have a higher recurrence after resection than dorsal ganglions, specifically a 15 to 20% recurrence. Some complications to mention with aspiration include infection, which is rare, and neurovascular injury. Complications with excision include infection, neurovascular injury, where the radial artery is the most common, injury to the scapholunate interosseous ligament, and stiffness. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic might be tested. First question. A 30-year-old patient presents for evaluation of a volar radial wrist mass. Examination reveals a firm, palpable 1 by 1 centimeter mass that transilluminates to light. It does not cause him any pain, but he is concerned about its appearance. Which of the following is true with respect to the management of his pathology? And the choices are 1. Aspiration of the lesion is associated with a 33% recurrence rate. 2. It constitutes 40% of all hand masses. 3. Open surgical excision of the lesion is associated with a 20% risk of recurrence. 4. Observation is associated with a recurrence rate in about 75% of cases. And 5. Open surgical excision leads to improved outcomes compared to arthroscopic excision. The correct answer to this question is 3. Open surgical excision of the lesion is associated with a 20% risk of recurrence. So the patient in the question stem presents with clinical signs and symptoms of a volar risk ganglion. With surgical excision, there is a 15-20% to 20% risk of recurrence. To quickly review, volar risk ganglions are benign soft tissue masses that occur secondary to trauma, mucoid degeneration, or synovial herniation from various carpal articulations. They are generally filled with mucin from a joint or tendon sheath. They are extremely common, mostly asymptomatic, and their sizes may increase and decrease over time. Examination generally reveals a firm, well-circumscribed mass that transilluminates to light. Management involves non-operative measures, like observation and aspiration, or operative measures like surgical excision. Mayerson et al. wrote a review of soft tissue masses detailing the importance of a thorough history and physical, appropriate imaging studies, and diagnostic studies required to lead to the correct diagnosis. They noted that when the initial evaluation is inconclusive, a biopsy must be performed and a diagnosis must be established. Before definitive treatment, the authors also conclude that a multidisciplinary approach optimizes outcomes and diminishes comorbid complications in the management of soft tissue masses. Head et al. performed a meta-analysis comparing open surgical excision and aspiration for the treatment of risk ganglions. A total of six studies met criteria for meta-analysis, including two randomized controlled trials and four cohort studies. Across all studies, the mean recurrence for arthroscopic surgical excision, that is 512 ganglions, open surgical excision, that is 809 ganglions, and aspiration, that is 489 ganglions, was 6%, 21%, and 59%, respectively. Furthermore, aspiration was not associated with a significant reduction in recurrence compared with reassurance alone. The authors conclude that open surgical excision offers a significantly lower chance of recurrence compared with aspiration in the treatment of risk ganglions. Arthroscopic excision has yielded promising outcomes, but data from comparative trials are limited and have not demonstrated its superiority to open excision. 
To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, aspiration of the lesion is associated with a 33% recurrence rate, is incorrect, as aspiration of the ganglion is generally associated with a 40-60% to 60% recurrence rate. Answer 2, it constitutes 40% of all hand masses, is incorrect, as ganglion cysts are the most common hand mass and comprise about 60-70% to 70% of all hand masses. 4. Observation is associated with a recurrence rate in about 75% of cases is incorrect as observation slash reassurance leads to a recurrence rate of 50-60%, to 60%, which is similar to aspiration. Finally, answer 5. Open surgical excision leads to improved outcomes compared to arthroscopic excision is incorrect as there is a reported lower recurrence rate of arthroscopic surgical excision of ganglions compared to open excision. And moving on to the final question. Which of the following factors is inconsistent with the retinacular cyst of the flexor tendon sheath? And the choices are 1. Small size, that is 2 to 8 millimeters. 2. Palpable under metacarpal phalangeal flexion crease. 3. May be excised with a small portion of the flexor sheath to prevent recurrence. 4. Aspiration may be a successful treatment. And 5. Mass moves with the tendon. The correct answer to this question is 5. Mass moves with the tendon. So retinacular cysts arise from the flexor pulley system and therefore do not move with the tendon. Volar retinacular cysts are infrequently tender. However, patients often complain of discomfort from these pea-sized masses that arise from the A1 or A2 flexor pulley sheath in the metacarpal phalangeal joint flexion crease. These masses are very small. Aspiration may be technically difficult and patients may not wish to undergo manipulation in the office. However, aspiration is recommended by some sources prior to surgery. Bittner et al. compared aspiration versus surgical management of volar retinacular cysts. The recurrence rate after two aspiration attempts was higher as compared to surgical excision, that is 34% versus 7%. All patients who recurred after a single aspiration attempt and then elected for surgery were cured with surgery. Because the aspiration can be performed in the clinic and patients may not require surgery, the authors of this particular paper advocate trying aspiration before surgical excision. Corman et al. prospectively evaluated the efficacy of immobilization following aspiration of carpal and digital cysts. Nearly half, that is 49%, of ganglion cysts recurred regardless of treatment. Immobilization did not reduce recurrence after aspiration. The authors do not advocate for immobilization of the joint following aspiration of a volar retinacular cyst. Thornburg et al. reviewed ganglion cysts about the hand and the wrist. A portion of the article focuses specifically on volar retinacular cysts, which account for 7-12% to 12 of all hand and wrist ganglions. In addition, the masses range from 3-10 to 10 millimeters, arise off the A1-A2 pulley, and are diagnosed on physical exam. The masses can be successfully aspirated 70% of the time, but the attempt places the digital nerve at risk. The masses are also safely and effectively removed surgically. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, volar retinacular cysts are often small and P-shaped. Answer 2, the retinacular cysts are often palpable in the metacarpal phalangeal joint flexion crease. These become symptomatic when patients grasp objects. Answer 3, may be excised with a small portion of the flexor sheath to prevent recurrence is incorrect as it's believed that excising a portion of the pulley may reduce the likelihood of recurrence. Finally, answer 4, aspiration may be a successful treatment is incorrect as aspiration may be attempted, and if unsuccessful or the mass reforms, open excision is the next best option. That's all for this review about ganglion cysts. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. 
Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com. And in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.